Please be seated. So last Sunday, if you were here, or perhaps if you caught up with us on the website where the uh, sermons are posted, if you didn't know that, if you miss a Sunday, you can see it there. We spoke uh, about Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, and we focused on chapter 4, where he talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit that were given to us when Jesus ascended to the Father. We talked about the specific gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. And we understood after that, um, after reading that and talking about it a bit, that we need all four of those offices today, not just in the early church when Paul was there, but right here, right now, we need all four of those offices to build up the body of Christ, to minister to the people, so that we can reach the full measure of the stature of Christ. So this morning I want to go to Ephesians 5 and talk about what many of us use as an excuse, as a barrier to reaching that maturity, that full stature of Christ that Paul was talking about. And that is the subject of time. Specifically, wasted time. Not enough time. Or maybe it's just not my time. These are barriers that we tend to put up that get in the way of us reaching that full measure of the full stature of Christ. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Some translations there say, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. I don't think we have to go very far to realize that the days are, in fact, evil out there. There's a lot going on. Uh, sometimes it's mind-boggling how much is really happening out there. But what is Paul saying here about time? See, for me, Paul is telling me that I need to spend more time in the moment and less time worrying about time. Let me say that again. That's a lot of times. Paul is saying to us that we need to spend more time in the moment and less time worrying about time. Paul is saying here that in this fallen, broken world in which we live, there is so much out there to distract us. So much we can worry about if we allow ourselves to. There's so much that we can, so much that can cause us to waste time, divert our attention away from the purpose for which God has ordained us. Jesus talks about time. In Matthew chapter 6, he says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble 
is enough for today. See, that's not just good advice. That's wisdom imparted to us from our Lord and Savior about how we should spend our time, the time that God has given each of us. So as I think about Paul's words, I'm reminded of a man I once had the privilege of knowing, of walking with, we'll call him Ben. Now Ben struggled with many distractions, the many distractions of the world, and as a result, he had issues with time. Now I'm sure most people, me included, have issues with with time, uh, time management, procrastination, putting off for another time, something that needs to be attended to. Maybe there's a sense of there being too little time to do everything we need to do. Maybe it's that we just don't think that this is our time, so we're going to wait for our time. And there's a difference between waiting on the Lord and just plain old waiting. But these routine, mundane time issues that I'm speaking of are not the time issues that Ben was dealing with. See, Ben had deeply ingrained issues with time which would trigger in him a hidden condition that was left over in in him from his combat experience in the Gulf War. It was a condition that we call post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD, and I'm sure most of you have heard of it. One of the ways that PTSD manifests itself is there's this perception that time has been wasted and that it still is being wasted. For someone who's been through a combat experience, there's a tendency to really focus on time, an appreciation of it, and even a fear of it. See, one tends to regret all those recollected moments of one's past life whether real or imaginary, makes no difference to someone who's suffering from this particular disorder. So as the the traumatic event takes place, there's this recollection of everything in, in the past that has either not been accomplished or that has been done that the person just wishes they hadn't done. And then after the event, there's this process of vowing never again to experience that feeling of regret, vowing never again to waste time, which is very difficult if you're operating from a worldview and under your own power. See, the thought process goes something like this for someone who's suffering from that. Time is precious. Because time is precious, it should be spent wisely. Because it should be spent wisely, it has to be carefully planned out. Because it has to be carefully planned out, even even a smallest deviation from the plan is wasted time. Now that may be an oversimplification, and I'm sure there's some other stuff that runs in the background of of uh, 
a person who's afflicted with this. But for the most part, I think that's an accurate description. And the result of the process is that wasted time produces frustration and anger. And that was the torment that Ben struggled with every day. And as I worked with Ben through these PTSD issues, he shared with me a typical incident, something that might happen to any of us out there on the roadways today, that was a prime example of the struggle with time that he was going through. See, one day as Ben drove to work, a truck drove past him at a high rate of speed, and it threw a rock into his windshield. It chipped it with a loud crack, and then as he's driving along, he watches the chip go all the way across his windshield. How many of you have, has this happened to? I know it's happened to me. Now, instantly, Ben was angry, and some of you might be thinking, well, that's not strange at all. If it were my windshield, I'd be angry too, because windshields are expensive. But for Ben, the expense of the windshield was not the deep-seated issue. It wasn't even the fact that the driver was discourteous and drove past him at a high rate of speed that threw the rock up into his windshield. That wasn't even the issue. The issue for Ben, the thing that mattered to him the most was now, instead of his carefully planned agenda, now he had to take time out to get the windshield fixed. And that interruption, that wasted time, just made him raging mad. Now, I don't know, but for me, that seems pretty understandable, and I don't even have to go to the PTSD. So here's the thing. For, for people like Ben, PTSD-related anger knows no bounds. It lashes out, and here's where we deviate, I think. It lashes out at whatever and whomever is in proximity. It's not rational. It doesn't care about the feelings of others, even those that are closest to us. It's insidious and it's destructive. And ironically, it leaves the person feeling the very regret that they vowed they'd never feel ever again. So it's kind of this self-perpetuating issue with time. Now I tell you that story because I think it serves to illustrate something of what Paul was saying to the church in Ephesus in this scripture in Ephesians 5. He's talking about making the most of our time and he's talking about it from two very distinct perspectives. See, there are two words for time in Greek. Chronos, which deals with the flow and measurement of time. This is where we get the word chronograph, which is a clock or a watch, something that keeps track of hours, minutes, etc. And then there's kairos. Now you've heard that word before, I know, because many of you are involved in the kairos ministry. Kairos deals with the concept of the perfect time. It's God's time. It's the right moment in time. See, in Kairos time, we're speaking about time in, ter in terms of quality 
not quantity. See, how we see time is different from how God sees time. I got this shepherd's staff from our supply closet because I think it's a good illustration of the differences in how we see time versus how God sees time. If we were to imagine that this shepherd's staff is our life here on earth, we're born down here at this end. And one day we will pass down here at this end. And all along this staff, as we travel the length of our life, we have events, we have things that come into our life. We have grade school and we have high school. Maybe we meet a special someone and we get married. And maybe we have children and they go off to college, which mine is about to do. Our last one, going to A&M next weekend. That's a, that's a mixed blessing. And then maybe over here, one of our children gets married and has grandchildren and we get to watch them grow up and eventually we're here. Now, most of us spend all of this time preparing for this right here at the end of the staff. And that's how we see time, a collection of seconds and minutes and hours and days and weeks, months, years, decades. But that's not how God sees time. See, God is not along the staff. God is out here, above, below, around. And he doesn't just see this moment of our birth, but he sees us in eternity past. And he sees us at the moment that we pass into the kingdom of heaven to be with him, with Jesus, into eternity future. And the thing is, he doesn't see it like we see it in this linear path. He sees it all at once at the same time. Now, that's comforting because if he sees us out here beyond this end of our life on earth, he sees us all along the path of our life. It's comforting because he already is where we're going. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? That as we travel the path of our life, God has already seen it. And yes, we make choices, so maybe it's not, well, maybe it is like this, Steph. Can you see how... It moves this way and that. And these are the choices that we make that move us in one direction or another. But God sees it all at once. All at once. And our job is not necessarily just to see the increments along our timeline, but to experience moments where we connect here where God 
That's a big difference in the concept of time. Now, we'll see in just a little bit that we aren't to ignore these places, these demarcations on our timeline. God tells us to count them. But there's a reason. It's not so that we know when we're here at the end of our life. He tells us to count them because he wants us to be aware of the times when we see the face of God. The times when we're connecting with him. The times that are important in the kingdom of heaven, not just along the staff of our timeline of life. See, we tend to be slaves to time, chronos time. We run around taking stock of hours and minutes. We count the days, we mark the time, we watch the clock. We can't wait for the bell to ring, even if you're a teacher. <laughs> but God's desire is to restore all of us, all of humankind, to the eternal beings we were created to be. Beings that aren't bound by chronos time. Because we are eternal creatures that are trapped in this fallen state of, of temporal existence. The only way back to our created state of being, the way God created us, is redemption through Jesus Christ. It's the only way that we get back to the image and likeness of Christ, the way we were created to be eternal. Through Jesus, we can redeem the time that we perceive was wasted or lost. Through Jesus, we get to experience time as Kairos time, not Kronos time. As Christ followers, we have this opportunity to choose our moments we can decide to spend our time on things that matter for the kingdom. We can choose to let those things that cause us frustration and anger, we can choose to let those, those things through the power of the Holy Spirit pass us by. And I know it's not easy, and I know it takes work and prayer and study of God's Word, but we can redeem our time by turning it over to Jesus. Through Jesus, we can overcome our squandered past if we have one. And really, who among us doesn't have something that we wish we had done differently? When we turn it over to Him, we can be instruments right now, even in these days of evil, we can be instruments for good in the lives of our families, in the lives of the people that come here for the food pantry, to the healing service, to our Sunday service, people out there in the community who don't know Jesus, that we might know. And if we know them, there's an opportunity there for them to get to know Jesus. Christ turns regret to satisfaction and hope. 
Christ turns chaos, disorder, and anger into shalom, peace. Now that verse that we read in Psalm 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days, that we may be present, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. See, the psalmist is talking about an awareness of time, chronos, time along the staff of our life, an awareness that that time is limited. But he's also saying that because of that limitation, we have opportunities to recognize the kairos moments and use them wisely according to God's perfect will. See, Ben had a choice to make. He could spend his days as a slave to Kronos time, as a slave to the frustration and the anger, or he could spend his days in Kairos, making the most of the time he'd been given, looking for and appreciating those moments where God is honored and glorified. Now, I would like to think that I had a hand in being an instrument in Ben's healing. But I have to tell you that Ben's wife was more of an instrument in his healing than I could have ever been. See, one day after a sleepless night reliving the horrors of combat in his nightmares and then spending the dark early morning hours Frustrated about the lost time and the lost sleep. Ben's wife waking up and noticing that Ben's not there in the bed next to her. Gets up and walks into the kitchen and finds Ben slumped over a cup of, uh, a cup of coffee. And she knows what's happening. It's happened so many nights before. She sits in the chair next to him right there at the table, and she says, Ben, you have been struggling with this PTSD thing long enough. Do you not know that you are allowed to let go of the memories that torment you so? Do you not know that you are forgiven? Now, I have to say, what a profound insight into the mind of her husband. What a tremendous insight into the heart of God. What a magnificent demonstration of awareness of the direction of the Holy Spirit that manifested itself in Ben's wife that day. Because those words inspired by the Holy Spirit of God transformed Ben's mind and heart. The regret, the time wasted and lost all those years in the blink of an eye were redeemed. I think this message is valuable to any of us who are struggling with time as a barrier to reaching that 
fullness of maturity in Christ that Paul was talking about in Ephesians 4. See, each of us is a work in progress in this process that we call sanctification of becoming more like Christ. And the free will God gives us allows us to choose to embrace joy and forgiveness. It's not happiness that just happens. It's joy that we choose. And when we choose to embrace joy and accept the forgiveness of God, God redeems the time. So just as Ben made his choice, we in similar manner have to refuse to spend any more time enslaved to the frustration of time. We have to claim the redeeming blood of Christ and choose to live in Kairos, God's time, just as we were created to. And I hope that you receive this message today and consider this time, the time we spent this morning, as Kairos time, which is time well spent. Let's pray. Father God, your word says in Ecclesiastes that for everything there is a season and a time for every event under heaven. And among those events that you've listed there, Father, is a time to heal and a time to be forgiven. Father, we're gathered here in that time of healing through your power and in your time, we are seeing the healing of the physically afflicted. We are witnessing the lifting up of the mentally, emotionally, and spiritually poor by showing them the love of Jesus. Father God, in your perfect will, as you move the hearts of your people in this community, we intend to carry on that kingdom work as your missional church until you come again, Lord Jesus. Father, today we gather together with a need to experience some of those events under heaven. A time to plant, a time to build up, a time to laugh, a time to dance, a time to embrace, a time to love, a time for peace. Father, while we rest here for a moment away from the worries and the struggles of the world, let us never forget that all of the other events listed in Ecclesiastes are taking place even now. Father, while we are resting here, resting in you out there, is still so much work to be done. There's still a season of brokenness, poverty, sickness. There's still a time to die, still a time to weep, a time to mourn. Father, there's still a time to seek, a time to tear apart, a time to throw away, still a time to hate, still a time for war. 
And so, Father, we fall on our knees and pray to you for mercy, for grace for those times that they would be overcome by your mighty hand and by your loving kindness and that you would usher in a new season of redemption and healing and light. Father God, we approach your throne with a spirit of thankfulness and expectation for all that you are and for all that you've done and for all that you are about to do. Father, we thank you for this room full to overflowing with your love and your compassion. We thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you for the gift of healing, the gift of music, the gift of joy, and Father, for your constant provision. Lord God, bless us and strengthen us to serve you better in the seasons to come in our daily work and our ministry. And finally, Eternal Father, time is in your hand. You are Alpha and Omega. You are the beginning and the end. By the power of your Holy Spirit, we commit this time under heaven to you, sovereign God of the universe, giving you all the honor and all the glory. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.